Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo boo, sit, boo boo, sit. Grr, I don't. Some bad hat hair. It's a cool and cool. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from your life. No, we're out. No, we're out. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Devs Season 1. And to do that, we are joined once again by host of the Swapcast podcast and unofficial third chair of Hunting Seasons, Paul Mitzi. <laughs> How are you, Paul? Good, thanks. Are you guys sick of me yet? No, not yes. at all. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Is this your third or fourth time on the podcast now this year? Uh, well, we did Altered Carbon, we did Westworld, That's we it. did um, Off Topic, Hot Topic, week, and now and this. this. Beautiful, yep. beautiful. How are you doing? Good, sir? Yeah, good. Adelaide's still pretty good. Had a like weekend where I could go out to a restaurant and spend time with family. Um, so I so take was... my last answer back. I am sicky. That Just get out of here, you <laughs> bragger. Um, but it's very cold. I'm, if that's anything, I'm, I'm upset about how cold I am. Oh, no. I can't imagine what being cold is like here in Melbourne <laughs> during winter. <laughs> how are you going, Damask? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, I've started, well, I'm deep into season two. Of my hero academia, so oh, I've yeah, just you're an anime girl that. now. Sure, let's say that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so if anyone has any anime questions about anything, um, feel free to tweet me, and I'll have the answers for you. As long as you've seen one anime, you become an expert in anime. That's how it works. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Yeah. Have you watched much anime apart from that? We've sort of tried to introduce you to Cowboy Bebop. Um. Yeah. So I grew up because we have SBS here. So. Uh, Evangelion, mm-hmm. that one. Evangelion, um, uh, Full Metal Alchemist was mm-hmm. another childhood one, and then into Brotherhood. Obviously, growing up watching Dragon Ball Z and stuff, but beyond that, not really. Are you an anime man at all, Paul? Yes, I am. I, oh, I you talked about anime. Space Dandy once upon a time. I remember you brought that. Yeah, up and and Carolyn Tuesday. I think I brought That's up as well. Right. Yes. 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 Um, at, at the moment, I'm introducing one of my mates to a series called Paranoia Agent. Have Have you seen that one? No, no, I have not. I'm I'm yeah. definitely a lapsed anime fan. I was sort of there uh, in the early 2000s in high school, and I haven't gone back to it much. Uh, well, um, if you get if you can, Paranoia Agent is an amazing TV show, very Lynchian. Um, it's Satoshi Kon who did films like Paprika and um, Tokyo Godfathers. Mm-hmm. And is the TV show he made before he died, and it's amazing. So 
I would. I think if you had heard it. our Twin Peaks reviews, I don't think you should have said it was Lynchian. Yeah. That means we're definitely not going to watch it. <laughs> I don't know. Twin Peaks: The Return. I was a really big fan of that one. That kind of. Oh, got that's me on true. Board. You came around. I yeah, really, yeah. really came around on that. I thought that was awesome. Mm. Uh, as an anime fan, then Paul, have you watched any sort of American style anime? Have you watched Avatar: The Last Airbender or The Legend of Korra? Obsessed. Obsessed. Oh, obsessed. With Avatar. Yeah. Love well, we Avatar. We spoke about the Dragon Prince. Last yeah. Did. Episode. We did. Yeah. Well, I did want to bring up, I know this is not off topic, hot topic, but I, I couldn't not talk about this news. It's in the week since we last oh. recorded. It's been announced that the creators of Avatar The Last Airbender, um, Mike and Brian, uh, I can't remember their names, I'll my head, was Di Martino mm. and Konetsko, I think it is, have left the live Adam. Live action adaptation that Netflix are putting together of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, the, it's still going ahead at Netflix, apparently, but due to creative mm. differences, uh, creative freedom that they were assured and publicly Netflix said they were giving to them, that's apparently just not happening. Um, I was wondering what you all thought of that. Well, the thing is, Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra were both perfect TV shows. So we've got those. They're, they've been made. We've got every episode. So anything that goes forward from now, you know, even if it's terrible, we've still got the originals to fall back on. Like I felt that way about the the abomination of a film adaptation. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I watched five minutes of that and it was hurting my soul, so I turned it off. And I was like, well, mm. I've still got the show, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'm not one of those people that thinks like if something new comes out, it retroactively ruins your childhood or the mm-hmm. thing that you loved. Um, I think having the original creators incredible, like very much involved was really the only reason that made me confident like, oh, it's probably going to be really good. Mm. I was more excited for one, just like, you know, another version of that world that I love so much. But also there's so many people that I've wanted to introduce Avatar and Korra to who just refuse to because it's a cartoon. I was like, well, this is an avenue Mm -hmm. that they can watch it from the creators that might be um, something that they would be interested in. I mean, I will probably watch it when it comes out, but I have doubts now whether it's going to be something that I will be happy to recommend. Yeah, I think you've both got the right attitude. We've talked about this before, Damask, just sort of the idea that yeah, just because something comes out that's either a remake or a continuation of something, it can't retroactively make the thing that was great w- bad in some way. That doesn't happen. I guess what's a little bit frustrating is that it was the probably the thing like you that was keeping me interested in the live-action TV show because if it was just a live-action live adaptation, especially after the Sh- Shyamalan film, it's like it needed something like having Bryke involved to make it worth my time. So I was mm-hmm. already only cautiously optimistic and now that optimism has just gone completely down the drain. That being said, I've also been reading this week or the last couple of weeks, Film Critic Hulk, um, one of my favourite sort of bloggers on film and television, storytelling in general, has been watching The Legend of Korra. And he's just got Mm. up to season three and he had some very, very harsh things to say about season one and season two of Korra, which are Mm -hmm. ultimately 100% valid. And uh, having read them, he is having a very hard time with the show. He's gotten to season three and it's starting to turn around for him in a big way. But mm-hmm. it made me realize one of the things he talked about was the difference between like Bryke as creators of that universe and the people telling the stories in the writers in the writing room 
have a mm-hmm. huge influence on what happens there. And why I had never put together is that season one of Cora is totally written by Bryke. There are no other writers. It's not until into season two and then especially season three that some of the writers from episode to episode from Avatar come into play. And it makes you realize that just because the creators are involved doesn't guarantee something's going to be great or that they're the secret recipe behind something being good. Or, uh, like the Shaman thing obviously proves that you know, there's lots of ways to get it wrong as well. But I keep thinking about <laughs> yeah. Lucas with Star Wars. Like, I don't like the prequels at all, and that's all Lucas. I love Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. It's my favorite Star Wars film outside of the original trilogy, and that's got nothing to do with Lucas. It's like, that gives me some hope that maybe there's something still good to come of this Netflix series. But yeah, man, enthusiasm is just at the moment. Anyway, mm. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Thanks for <laughs> indulging me there, guys. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Devs Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Devs is an FX on Hulu science fiction thriller television series created, written, and directed by Alex Garland, writer of 2002's 28 Days Letter and 2012's Dread, and writer and director of 2018's Annihilation and 2014's Ex Machina, for which Garland says Devs is a companion piece. The show follows Lily Chan, a software engineer for quantum computing company Amaya, as she becomes embroiled in the mysteries and dangers of the company's top-secret division, Devs, and stars Sonoya Mizuno, Carl Glusman, Jin Ha, Alison Pill, Zach Grenier, Kaylee Spaney, Stephen McKinley Henderson, and Nick Offerman as a mayor CEO, Forrest. Devs premiered on March 5th, 2020, consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 47 minutes, and took us approximately six hours and 15 minutes to watch. So before we get into our review, guys, I did want to ask, how familiar are you all with Alex Garland's work? Have you seen any of his previous films? Have you played any of the games he's written for? He's written for... I'm a huge Alex Garland fan, uh, starting from the novel The Beach uh, that he wrote, mm-hmm. and then the film adaptation of that with Leonardo DiCaprio, I, I was a big fan of, even though... Opinion seems to be mixed on that one. Um, and then, yeah, 28 Days Later, amazing. I mm-hmm. did play that video game, Enslaved Journey to the West. That's the Which one. was really uh, ahead of its time in terms of storytelling in video games. And it had like a mocap performance with Andy Serkis. That was That's right. really impressive for the time. Um, but then what's really cemented my love for him is his last two movies. Ex Machina was a masterpiece. I think I love that film. And I think it was my favorite film of that year and annihilation. I thought was really cool as well. I had a lot of interesting ideas. Um, so I'm basically at the point now, if Alex Garland's attached to something, it's a must watch for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved ex machina. I, I went to the, I remember going to the cinema to see that and was just blown away. And then I was on a date at the time and my date left towards the end of that film when you really don't want to leave Mm -hmm. Uh, you guys probably know like the climax of the film and she left and came back and then while the film was just wrapping up wanted me to explain it to her and I was like this is not going to work out at all (laughs) wow (laughs) like you've kind you've almost ruined this perfect film for me but I managed to uh, get through it Uh, I love 28 days later so much Um, Annihilation had a lot of ideas, which I thought were cool, but I think it was a little too plot heavy to the detriment of any kind of character work that might make me attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I love Ex Machina. Yeah, loved 28 Days Later. Loved Dread. I thought Dread was really, really cool as like a 
action film that actually sort of had a video game um, structure to it. It was like levels. It sort of went up and up and up and up and Lena Headey was the was final boss. Was that the one with Lena Headey? Yes, it was. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 With the slow-mo yeah. drug. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was a cool film. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and then Annihilation I liked quite a bit, but I'm with you, Paul. Ex Machina and Damask. Ex Machina was just great. Ex Machina was one of those movies, actually, that I left the cinema liking... And then as time went on, like in the hours and days later, the more I thought about it, the more I realized I quite loved it. Um, mm. Just sort of where it got to and how it got there. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, so with that in mind, Paul, do you want to give us your spoiler-free review of Dev Season 1, please? Sure. Uh, when Devs premiered in April this year, I was beyond hype to watch it. The first ever TV show created by Alex Garland, who I've been a fan of for years. Um, but it's his more recent works as a writer-director in Ex Machina and Annihilation that had that really made a sci-fi miniseries written and directed by him a tantalizing proposition. I think that Devs really delivers on what you would expect from an Alex Garland sci-fi miniseries. The show is gorgeous to look at, beautifully shot and emphasizing the production design that is as sleek and modern as anything in Ex Machina. The show also carries over the intelligence we expect from an Alex Garland script. The show is constantly tackling huge and complex science fiction concepts and never feels like it's dumbing it down for the audience while also never feeling incomprehensible to those of us who may not be experts in quantum theory and the multiverse. The mysteries and ideas the show puts forward really pull you through what is a very leisurely paced show. Devs as a whole has a slow, foreboding tone to it. The characters calmly talk their way through every situation. There are many moments where we are just watching the landscape and the surroundings without any dialogue, which really put me in the mood on my first watch, and I actually quite enjoyed this aspect. However, upon my attempt at a rewatch for this podcast, I kept thinking, I wonder if this may have worked better as a two-hour movie. There certainly is a lot of filler in this show. It's not a perfect show. The musical score, which, which while it is quite unique, it includes a lot of sad jazz horns and tribal chanting. It can <laughs> cross over from being haunting to distracting and annoying. And I don't know if the show totally stuck the landing for me as well. Overall, though, I did enjoy my time with devs. There are some truly haunting and beautiful moments that have stayed with me and I often thought about since I watched this show months ago. If you are a fan of intelligent, thoughtful sci-fi, watch devs. And if you are a fan of Alex Garland's work, definitely watch devs. Just to jump on uh, what you were saying earlier about it looking like an Alex Garland film, what you've come to expect from that. I actually, Mm -hmm. when we started this, maybe I'd heard it a million years ago or when it first came out in April, but I'd forgotten Alex Garland was attached to this. I just remember it was Nick Offerman and Devs, right? And the bit where they first go into Devs in the first episode, I was like... Huh, it still reminds me of Ex Machina for some reason. And I went and searched. <laughs> was, I was like, oh, it's Alex Garland. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Damask, can you please give your spoiler mm. for review? Well, I'll just delete the whole paragraph that I had about the haunting jazz horns because Paul has already <laughs> mentioned them. So that's great. Um, so, Devs is a self serious, glacially paced, gold covered mystery that I had a pretty great time watching. 
The direction in this show feels so purposeful and meditative that it can often feel like you've put on one of those sleep sound apps, but for your eyes, which probably doesn't <laughs> doesn't make sense, but that's just my vibe today. I've already had a glass of wine. The show deals with intricate and complicated ideas, many of which flew over my head and that I couldn't quite understand. I often found myself asking, yeah, but like how? which isn't as big of a negative as it sounds. I don't understand quantum shit, but I don't think you really need to. Earlier today, I was reading comments from people who had seen the show as it was being aired week to week, and there were plenty bits of debate around the show's philosophy and possible theories of where it was heading. I didn't understand a goddamn word of that either, but it was nice to see people so invested even if it sometimes looked like a bunch of well-actually guys in a circle jerk. The show creates enough intrigue into the all-seeing corporation's potentially nefarious activities that the details of the exact how don't necessarily keep you at arm's length. Our protagonist Lily evokes similar feelings. I can't quite crack the details of who she is, but I want her to succeed and that's enough. And the show also does a nice job of balancing the motivations of her opposition – Some scenes I'm on the side of the mysterious tech company because I believe their mission statement of achieving something unparalleled is worthwhile despite the cost. And then the next minute I want them all to die horribly. This show is good. It gives you a Westworld vibe but minus the absolute bullshit season two that you have to suffer through. Enjoy it, you nerds. It's good. (laughs) I'm glad you brought up Westworld Westworld as well because I also thought like there's some stuff here that Westworld was trying to tackle as well. Um, Mm -hmm. That Westworld season one did really well. And at times in season Mm -hmm. two, I think even did fairly well. They just surrounded with a bunch of bullshit, particularly in second and third season that we didn't (laughs) like. For Mm. me, I think devs is sort of a tale of two shows and I like both shows, but I liked one more. The first show Mm. was a tense and and intelligent mystery slash thriller with a sci-fi hook propelled by smart characters who make smart choices. On the other hand, we have this second show, which is a meditation on the nature of reality, the universe, and choice that loses its sense of characters and human drama. I didn't hate this second version, but overall I found it less satisfying. It's fascinating on certain levels, but the lack of drama makes it less engaging for me. There are a lot of big pros for the show overall, which you guys have already talked about. The themes in general on reality, the multiverse, etc., absolutely. Um, The aesthetic... The, which we've already talked about as well, very ex machina and its vibes. The building that Devs is set. I thought, have you guys been to Mona in in Hobart? Like it felt like mm-hmm. an art, like a really super wanky art gallery. The soundscapes and the lighting, fucking loved it. It was great. The mood overall was just always tense, particularly early on. Very foreboding. It was there with the music. It was there with the look. It was there with the performances. Um, it was just a great thriller with great stakes. Um, but the problem was that that sort of went away for me in the second half of the show, particularly not even the second half. So the first five episodes and then by episode seven, eight, nine, it became something else. And yeah, one thing I really loved, which I already mentioned as well, is just the smart characters and investigative work. I don't want to spoil any of that because as it happens, I think it's rewarding for you when you're watching it, but we will talk about it in spoilers, mm-hmm. I hope. Um, but they just do smart things. These aren't dummies that are running into uh, solutions or problems they they make good choices and you want to root for them because of that you're on their side because mm-hmm. they're not 
you know, they're not the people that are going to run up the stairs when the bad guy's in the house with them sort of stuff. Not that that really happens in this show, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, on the bad side, I think that the stiff dialogue and delivery, which is sort of part of the aesthetic, works sometimes and sometimes doesn't. Um, it's a very definitely stylistic choice, but it's worth mentioning, I think. There can be a bit of um, a lack of energy to this show, again, particularly in the second half. It felt like sometimes there was one episode that was 40 minutes long that I thought this feels like the right length for this show. And there were some episodes that were over 50. And it's like those ones felt like they were being padded out a bit. There was one episode in particular with people just sitting in a room or two, two groups of pairs sitting and talking. I was like, this didn't need to be as long as it was, guys. This could have been way, way, way more short. I do wonder, like you, Paul, whether this would have worked better as a two-hour movie, perhaps, overall, just to cut out some of the filler and and the fluff that's in Mm. there. Um, I think also it's interesting what you're saying, Damask, about you were struggling with some of the concepts and maybe this is just different to different audience members who have different backgrounds. I thought it kind of really slowed down to over-explain itself a few times. Um, mm. like to the point where that episode I'm talking about with the pairs that are having conversations, I was like, guys, mm-hmm. I've been, I, I'm with you. I've been with you at this point for multiple mm-hmm. episodes already. What you're doing, explain this again to me, is just like, it's just a little bit labored at that point, I thought. Which I, I under- think like I in that episode specifically, yep. I really enjoyed that because I was like, sure. oh, I can take a breath and just be like, Tell me, please. <laughs> I understand, like, if you're already there, then sure, that is superfluous. You don't want it. You don't need it. But I appreciated it. And I did I do, I do. did feel that as I was watching. I was like, I understand why this is here. I understand what it's doing for the audience members who aren't to speed. And I understand what it's doing in setting up the third act as well. Mm-hmm. But just did feel like it took a long time to do that. It could have been a little bit sharper. And then weirdly, I felt the show was somewhat predictable almost ironically if you consider the themes of the show yeah. there was there wasn't a lot of surprises for me and like there were reveals and you're like well yeah obviously that had to be something like that um and that happens a few times as well again not necessarily in a bad way just interesting things i picked up along the way and then also but i think the biggest problem for me is that convenience did start to set in a little bit in the last half and again that could even be thematic i think that's something i really want to talk about is whether this is more to do with the themes of the show than anything else. But when early on our characters were making really smart decisions, I thought they started to make less smart decisions because the tram tracks were telling them to. And by the tram tracks, I mean the script more than anything else. Mm. I wasn't convinced. Again, don't get into spoilers, but it did feel like convenience was setting in a little bit, which is something that does happen sometimes with these shows when it realizes it needs to start bringing things back together to get to a point and maybe doesn't earn it as well as it should do. My final thought though is that actually that this is a complete thought. That's something I really like about this show. Often sci-fi shows leave too much dangling afterwards, too much to interpretation. This isn't like that so much. I thought it sort of really said, this is our thesis, this is the way it works, here it is, bam. And that's something that is both good and bad. I would have liked maybe a little bit meat to chew on intellectually afterwards, but I am. it's happy to know that there aren't really any mysteries left in the show necessarily. And that's... Sometimes it can be frustrating to have a show like this and feel like you're still like missing some key piece of information. Um, but overall, I thought the show was very satisfying and whole. It just, uh, yeah, it doesn't linger the same way that Ex Machina did for me, if that makes sense. What would you guys give this show out of five stars, Paul? I would give it a 4.5. 4.5, very nice. Damask? Nice. 
Uh, I'm giving it a solid four. I am also giving Roderick. it a solid four, Damask. I agree with you. Yay. Do you feel that the reason you felt it was more complete is because it was a mini series and they didn't feel that they needed to set things up for a season two that may or may not that, happen? That always helps, but I definitely think that if you look at science fiction miniseries or science fiction uh, movies even, they can sometimes sort of play with an idea that's similar to this and then kind of go, like, I think of like... Nolan films even, which aren't as intellectually sound as Ex Machina or as Devs is either. It's more pseudo-intellectual. It's got a fun idea that works visually like Inception and then does that thing at the end to tease you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's not really asking a real question. It's just sort of goes, ah, but that thing at the end and then has to make you reassess <laughs> everything that came beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, it movies yeah. will yeah. do that too and this... This just decided not. To, oh, yeah, it decided not to. Or, or I'm trying to think of like series that do that. But yeah, no, I, I definitely think it was a choice. They knew exactly what they were trying to say and did a really good job of communicating it, almost to the point of over communicating it at times. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the podcast to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And in a blatant act of theft from Paul's show, The Swapcast Podcast, to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, we don't know yet what we're watching, so look out for that on our website and online. We'll explain that later. Uh, But if you have any thoughts on devs, we'd love you to write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode of contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Devs Season 1. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on... We'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Devs. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Devs up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep Dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. So, did either of you guys predict that the homeless guy was a Russian agent? Russian or something else. Yes, yes. It's just one of those things. That's what I was just talking about when it comes to predictability. It's like that guy being there, him constantly having conversations that were pointless with our characters. Before Lily, when Lily was getting attacked by Keaton, Liam and I were both saying, oh, the homeless guy's going to come in and save her. That, I thought that, he was going to come in and, like, save her, but I didn't think the motivation would be that he is also an agent. I was just like, maybe he's just a nice guy and he's, like, clearly shown that he cares about her. Yeah. And I, has nothing else to do but to watch her life. But, mm. yeah. I did not predict it at all. That was, like, a really? what the fuck moment for me, yeah. But, I mean, oh. um, I, I went to San Francisco a couple of years back and the homeless population is a huge part of that city. And I just felt like that character was there to comment on that. Um, so it didn't really even enter my mind that that was a possibility. Mm. That's interesting. Cause thematically he was doing nothing. It's like thematically he wasn't challenging anybody. He wasn't saying anything unless there was some way that like something was going to change and he was going to be a different person or something later on early on though, I was like, this guy has to be significant in some way. And mm. then him being some sort of agent, um, whether it was Russian or whether it was like American or like it, there were people obviously involved in what was happening at devs. Therefore, this guy was somehow involved with I- collecting intelligence in that way. Um, didn't necessarily think he was Russian, though Russian made perfect sense as well. Uh, anything That was a good place to start, though, Paul. Anything else like that? Uh, I just thought how much of an evil piece of shit was Keaton like Oh it yeah, Kenton, right. Yeah, like oh, sorry, Kenton. Kenton, uh, sorry, like, Kenton. He has to go down as one of the most evil villains that I've seen in a long time. Um, like- I don't know. I kind of saw his point of view. <laughs> I agreed with all of his actions. Um, no, he was terrifying and made me want to wet myself every time he came on screen. Genuinely, yeah. Because especially like I, I feel like Jamie, played by Jin Ha, was mm-hmm. um, ended up for me being 
the character I was rooting for the most. He was yeah. the most totally. overtly like nice person on the show. So mm-hmm. when he when he killed him, like I was just so angry. Like obviously that's what the show is wants you to feel, but um, mm. it was like were, were you guys like crushed twice. by that death? I mean, I was crushed the first Mm. time when I thought, fuck, he's... I mean, they didn't show us a death, so I'm like, he can come back. Mm. But I was so scared when he was in that bathtub. Mm. So I was already like, fuck, I I can't handle that kind of emotion right now. And then when he comes back and then he decides, even though he's been faced with the amount of danger before him, he still agrees to progress and to do what is right, which just makes you love him so much more. Like at that point, he certainly, if he wasn't already, certainly becomes the heart of the story where you both invest your emotions, but you root for, and you just, yeah, and you want him and Lily to get it on forever. <laughs> and then the, and then we have the second death, which is so upsetting. But mm. I mean, as a device to make me cry, heaving cries, worked perfectly. Jin Ha was very impressive. So episode five... So episode four, I was like, oh, God, that's the end of Jamie. That's really sad. That didn't quite happen. But the mm-hmm. in the bathtub, the shock that he was uh, performing there was so mm-hmm. convincing. I loved his performance when he was dealing with Kenton in that scene. It was just brilliant. I 100% agree with you. At the end of that episode, when he comes and pulls um, Lily out of the hospital, fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. However, like nothing against Jamie as a character at all or the performance. It was another one of those predictability things. As season seven started, the way it started, I'm like, oh, Jamie dies this episode. It's like mm. this is this is where Jamie's gonna die. He's gonna have to. What does it start with? It just it's what? them together. And it's, oh, it's yeah. them together and the discussion about how they're not gonna leave the apartment. And it's like mm-hmm. he's gonna and, and and the last episode entered with that line of Kenton about Oh, they something about like these guys being buddy buddy or whatever. I was like, okay, Ken's gonna show up and he's gonna kill Jamie. Yeah. And that's gonna be what motivates well, her that's ultimately. Because like, we we know that at that point Lily is going to end up at Deb's mm. and she needs the motivation to get there. I thought either Kenton is going to uh kidnap her and then Jamie's gonna try and save her and that's gonna go terribly wrong. Um, or yeah, Kenton's gonna break in and kill Jamie and blah blah blah. But um yeah, either way I was not looking forward to where that episode was going. <laughs> this might be a good place to talk about one of the things I want to talk about, which is terms of the characters going from being very, very, very smart, I thought, and making great choices along the way, to mm, this is where I started to struggle with some of the choices that Lily was making. Particularly mm-hmm. the decision to go to devs, right? Come to a pretty mm-hmm. solid conclusion, a very smart one. Her and Jamie are on board on this. Let's not go there. If we don't go, they lose, basically, right? We can just mm-hmm. completely shatter whatever it is they've decided they're going to do. Yes, Jamie dies. Yes, that was awful. Yes, she has reasons to find out what's going to happen or, or find out what they're doing or get back at Forrest and at Katie. Absolutely. There are ways to do that without going to Dev's. Wait 24 hours. Go to Forrest's house. Do anything or leave the country like um, the homeless man whose name I can't remember suggested, the Russian agent suggested, or go to the FBI, whatever it is. You had a million choices there that wasn't going to Dev's and ways to still achieve your goals without doing that. And she still chose to do it. And that's the bit 
where I struggled. And I understand the whole idea of determinism and this is predetermined and she was always going to go. And there's even a conversation about even as they say it, it doesn't feel like they're in control anymore. Eh. Mm. Once my characters don't have their own will and sort of agency, I lose interest in what they're doing because it's no longer a story. It's just shit happening. I don't know if anyone's got the same way at all. Especially since the show itself then proves later that she didn't have to because she threw the gun away. So the the show is telling you that like she could have made her own choice if she really decided to, Mm -hmm. um, but for some reason didn't. Um, yeah, I f- yeah, I found that frustrating as well. I think the last episode was it kind of lost me in in a lot of those moments. I, I wasn't a huge fan of how it all went down at the end, um, and the fact that she chose to throw away the gun, yet they still ended up dying as well. Like, I think it would have been more powerful of an ending if they survived and walked away and then he has to deal with all the evil shit that he has done for essentially nothing. I need some clarification on stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be the one in this group who's just like, what did it mean? Um, (laughs) So at that moment when she throws out the gun, meaning that they do have free She changed her fate. Beautiful accent work, right? You've been working on it. (laughs) Um, so she at that point she exhibited free will. Correct. So does that mean they have they did they always have free will or did she somehow like beat the system to she like Because the so si- sheer determinism created free will in her own fucking brain and therefore changed the universe. Like I don't understand why in that moment out of everyone who knew what was happening or the theory of what was happening, which is determinism, the way- why didn't one of them try to challenge it at any point? The way that I understood it was that mm. because of the whole multiverse theory, the mm-hmm. machine was showing them one possible outcome. But yeah. because that's the outcome that they saw, they all accepted it as that's what is definitely going to happen. So and is that then that she still didn't have a choice? It, they were just seeing no, an she alternate, had a, choice. a different she, universe. She had a choice every time. Every time a different choice is made, it splits off into another universe. Yeah, and then the fact that um, the devs machine stopped working after that moment is because it realized that it was essentially not working properly because, and therefore could not predict the future because of that happening i i think i think so, that's yeah go on i'm so i'm so dumb so can you're not you're not so every time so obviously every time we make a choice we sprout off into a different direction like a beautiful cosmic tree correct um so <laughs> so if you are the lily that exists on the path where you go into that little sideways lift mm-hmm. and you toss the gun out mm-hmm. is like, like does that thread always exist or it only exists as soon as the choice is made? So I'm just wondering, can, can determinism and the multiverse coincide 
or or does that not work at all? It's. Uh, I think it's. Does a, that make sense? Hard to hard to sort of get to the crux of it. Like like, I think the way I saw what they were saying is that the determinism in terms of like how like the particles line up and interact and stuff like that just sort of like happens, right? The idea mm-hmm. of like Katie talks about like a random event sort of thing is not ever random because like you flip a coin and like all these little variables affect it, but they're predictable and you can calculate that and those things will happen. The thing mm-hmm. I think they came to, which is an idea that's existed for a while, and one of the things that the professor is talking about when we have that flashback of Katie in the lecture lecture room is that once something is observed, i.e. once consciousness is involved, mm. Gotcha. Then things yep. change. So I think the version of the multiverse that they're talking about is that when choices are made is when things will be different. So like mm-hmm. just because you can have the idea of like a multiverse where every possible version of things can exist, right? Which you sort mm-hmm. of see in Rick and Morty, right? With the multiverse, you see them be lobster people and you see them be um, blobs and you see them be that sort of thing. Maybe that's not mm-hmm. quite as far as this goes. It's more like... You will see the version, and they show this as well, um, like when Forrest is flashing back to when his wife and child were killed. Mm. Um, They're like the versions where he wasn't on the phone to her, and so she had time to to break, and then the accident didn't happen. It's like those little choices along the way. It's all each of those individual choices made by a conscious being. They're where the multiverse splits off, I think. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question, though. I mean... I don't even know what my question was really. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. It's just a bunch of stuff that I get like the 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 shadows of the concept when they're like, but in terms of the intricacies and how it actually all functions together, I've got no fucking clue. So when a big thing like she throws the gun out, yep. I know that's a big moment. The music in everyone's faces and the dialogue that precedes it tells me that's a big moment. I don't know how that moment occurred. Is I think and I know you've kind of explained it to me, but still, it's like I think sure. the best way to simplify it is that the thesis from Forrest and Debs and Katie is determinism, and right at that moment, Lily proves determinism is bullshit. Right? That's realistically why it's such a big moment. Because right up until then, every time something they predicted, no, I, I understand that. I'm saying why at that point can she prove that, and they have not been able to prove that that themselves. is a, that is a, that is something that's worth talking about though because it's the idea of like if you were not to observe the future could you change your choices or would you just go along a tram track right have you ever seen mm. minority report no i hate tom cruise oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm disappointing you with things that i refuse to watch <laughs> like i get Sorry. it i get it it is spielberg yeah. though and one mm. of the key concept concepts mm. of minority report okay so mm. Minor reports about this idea that there's this police department that has precogs who can um, d- predict with within a certain amount of time when a murder is going to take place, right? Mm-hmm. And through this, with the little clues, that psychic clues they get, detectives put it together, figure out where the murder is going to be, get there before it happens, and then arrest the person that was going to commit the murder without the murder occurring, right? Mm-hmm. The question, the ultimate question that sh- that movie is asking, I haven't read the original book, but the movie is asking, is if you can know what someone's going to do, if they then can know that too and they can choose to take a different path, 
were they mm. does that is that the same thing if they were going to do it are they still guilty of having done that thing they never actually did it's like once you have prediction involved and you can see how things are going to be and you can choose to to not do that is it really mm-hmm. are you really seeing the future or are you seeing a prediction or is that machine bad at making predictions because then you've gone and done something else. Like these are the sort of questions the show is asking. And it's not necessarily crystal clear on all of them. However, I do mm-hmm. think I do think ultimately the show is saying that determinism determinism is bullshit and that the multiverse is the reality they live in. Um, yep. that's the idea that they land on Forrest and Lily do once they're inside the devs simulation, inside the matrix. And they're apparently living out all possible realities at the same time. And Forrest has had a complete change of heart on that. That's what Linden was trying to do. That's how they got really accurate visual and audio instantly. As soon as they applied that theory and that seemed to be the one that worked, yeah. they had to force this deterministic idea into the system and like force it until it finally worked in devs to the point where it broke the system once they applied it. Like I think that's what they're trying to say. I think ultimately that is the thesis yeah. of the show. Yeah, I mean, certainly, like, you know, when it comes to terrible things, like, what's his, is his name Lyndon? Yes, Lyndon. Yeah. Um, when they're on the edge of the dam or whatever, or the bridge, mm-hmm. and, oh, what's Alison? Pills? Katie. Katie. Ka- when Katie... So, obviously, we now know, I guess, that at any point she could have stopped that from occurring, but I guess the absorption of her belief that it had to occur, fulfilled that, her, what she had already decided would happen. This is actually one of my other problems with the show, is that I think the Lyndon decision to go across that rail at all doesn't make sense to me. Because Katie posits it to Lyndon that Mm -hmm. you will prove the multiverse theory, you'll show Mm -hmm. your faith in that by going over the... um, the yeah. railing and therefore you'll be allowed in and you'll either fall or you won't it'll all depend on these like the little different things that that can change depending on it one and outcomes will include you living and being able to come back to devs right mm. if Lyndon wants to prove katie and determinism is bullshit because katie's apparently already seen this future walk away and never go over the railing that's the best way to prove the multiverse theory is say well if that's the future you saw i'm not doing it therefore determinism is obviously bullshit and the fact that Lyndon didn't choose that made me not understand Lyndon anymore. I thought that seemed pretty straightforward to me. Paul looks skeptical yeah. of my thoughts on that one. No, no, I agree. I also, what lost me with Lyndon is like, you got millions of dollars. Who gives a fuck if the multiverse exists or not? <laughs> Just go uh, fucking live on a yacht somewhere. Like, <laughs> they tried very um, hard not, to not make it seem like Lyndon. With Lyndon's- inflation, Paul, you need a lot more than $10 million for a bloody yacht, let me tell you. Um, uh, yeah. What did you think of the, um, uh, a little bit off topic, but what did you think of the decision to cast uh, Kaylee Spanley as Lyndon, being that it's a male character and they um, cast a cis woman as a male character? So that's what I wasn't sure of. I hadn't looked into that, whether mm. Kaylee was a trans actor or not. And no, whether no. is the character trans or is this no, just... No, it's never spoken about. No, so the character was written as a, as a male character and Alex Garland apparently auditioned a whole bunch of guys and then he's like, how about I just audition a bunch of girls for this as well? Brought them in and uh, really liked Kaylee and just 
cast her in the role as a man? Um, um, I think like because it's not in the text, I just thought that this person's gender expression was androgynous um, and so I didn't really feel the need to really think about it. And then when I was doing readings today, found out that the actress was a cis woman. Yeah. And then I made me go, oh, but does that mean – is she playing like a trans man? But I'm like, but they never said that. Like they never implied that that was the case. I'm I like, thought that was good maybe though. Lyndon, I thought it's like if this yeah, is a trans maybe Lyndon character. Was a woman whose gender expression was more masculine. I'm like, well, that's maybe that's what's going on. I know it, it wasn't really a factor because, to be honest with you. I haven't really thought about it Janet, other than what, when I was reading today. Janet Mock, who is a trans actress, played the senator and they mm-hmm. made no mention of that. So I thought it was just along the same line. So Yeah. And I doubt Janet Mock would have never been in the show if they cast a cis woman as a trans person. So yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I didn't know, um, yeah, that the actress was a cis woman until today when I was yeah going through the IMDb. I was like, oh, um, but yeah, no, I hadn't really thought about. It, to be honest <laughs> with you, it would have been a lot more problematic. Or problematic, I guess, if it was the point of the character, but it really wasn't. It just was not a part mm. of that character at mm. all. Uh, so I don't know. I didn't really notice it. That doesn't mean it's I not thought Kaylee a did problem. a good job in the role yeah. generally, though. I thought I, yeah. I like that character despite her final uh, his final decision. I, I mean, I am I sick of women taking roles away from white men, though. So <laughs> on that note, like, not happy with it. But otherwise, you know, what can you do? <laughs> What you were saying about the money earlier and why didn't Lyndon just go off with the money, like, I agree with you. That logically makes a lot of sense. But I also thought the show did a good job of setting up how important being in this position Mm -hmm. it was to Lyndon. That conversation uh, with the other... Spencer? No, what was the name of the other gentleman that was in the devs team? It started with S, right? Stuart. Stuart. In his, like, minivan or camper van or whatever... um, That was all about just making sure we understood that this is what Lyndon wanted more than anything, to the point where Lyndon had yeah. faked leaving the country to sneak back in and sort of like make this all work for them. I um, mean, resourceful guy, let me tell you. Definitely. Um, and I also think they show in flashback that Lyndon and Stuart had been there almost from the beginning, mm-hmm. really. So you can see that like, while, yes, he's young, his investment in the development of the project was clearly very important. But yeah, like when you know the power of devs and how it functions and what it does to try to sneakily go around when you know that they can kill you, mm. I just, I don't understand you why you they can try. just see you at any point of you're, what that's, you're doing. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like wh- why are you even trying to be sneaky? Just leave and live your life. Yeah. Uh, just out, out of curiosity, Damas, did you have an affection for either the theory of determinism or the theory of the multiverse? Like, do any of those concepts and ideas of like that your path is not something you actually control? This is just a series of chemicals and reactions all happening to the point where you do things as you're going to do them? Or do you mm-hmm. prefer the idea that you have free will and choice and that every possible variation of your life has will play out in some mm-hmm. universe? So I'm... You know, I was a Christian into my early 20s and I studied philosophy for one semester in uh, university. And through all of that, I decided none of it fucking matters and I don't have an opinion. 
because it does not affect my life. And that's just, I don't care. Like I like, particularly from like a story side, like, you know, that's why I love Rick and Morton stuff because I think it's a really fun thing to play with. But in terms of me personally, I don't give a fuck at all. Yeah, that's my thoughts. So if you were put into the position of like someone took you to devs and Mm -hmm. plopped you in front of that screen, what would you do Mm -hmm. with it? Try to log into Facebook. I don't. I don't know how to use those computers. Oh, yeah, they, <laughs> so they say it like, like a pretty straightforward interface. It looks, yeah, looks yeah. user friendly. So you've right. got like a, a very clear. You just type in. I want to see Paris oh. in nineteen ten, or I can. Oh, I want to okay. see uh, Adelaide in mm-hmm. twenty fifty. Like, what are you? What are you looking at? What am I looking at? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, I want to oh, see fuck. whether That's Jeffrey Epstein question. killed himself or was murdered. <laughs> Oh, we all know the answer, Broad. We all know the answer. Um, what would I want to say? Look, I'm with Stuart. I would be firstly looking at people fucking. Um, <laughs> can I look into the future? Am I not allowed? You can do whatever whatever you want. Oh, I, I don't know. I, there's too many options. There's too many options. Yeah, I don't know. Look into the past. I love the idea of seeing, like, going back and looking, seeing if Jesus on the cross was pretty compelling. I like that idea. Mm. It doesn't disprove or prove anything. It just proves that Jesus existed. And I don't know. I thought that was a really cool place for them to go. Yeah. Uh, Like, uh, that was the most, like, evocative scene of the whole show I felt when it was just like, it it was all fuzzy. And I think it was the start of episode three and mm-hmm. you're seeing like Joan of Arc getting burned at the stake and then Jesus mm. and it was just like so haunting and to see it through that like fuzzy lens as well but yeah definitely why wouldn't you like want to see every major event that's ever played out and see what really went down I guess I'd like to see some early homo sapiens like killing a mammoth or something like something cool like really really fucking old before we have like any kind of history of it of what it actually looked like Mm. i think that'd be pretty sick something like that maybe was it joan of arc or was it just like the salem witch trials it was joan of arc because she was speaking french I believe. it was it was okay i was 100 sure of that um that was interesting i think we saw lincoln one of lincoln's speeches as well um i think the address of gettysburg or something like that and then, I thought you said LinkedIn. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> one of those famous LinkedIn self-help talks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm just really morbid, but one of the things I was thinking about as I was watching it was like, you know, there's there's conspiracy theories around Hitler as well and like the fact that he like blew his brains out in his bunker. It's like, I kind of want to see mm. where, how that mm. played out. Like, did that actually mm. happen? Was there something else oh. going on there at the time? Like that to Actually, me I just want to see dinosaurs hanging out. I just mm. sit and watch dinosaurs all day. Yeah, sure. That's way more interesting than, I don't know, a bunch of jerks being jerks to each other. Yeah, I, I feel like with sci-fi, really good sci-fi is stuff where you're looking at it and go, I would really love to experience that in some way. Like even when it yeah. all goes to shit, just like season one of Westworld, I was like, uh-huh. I would love to go and hang out in Westworld, despite the fact that I know all the the robots are about mm. to kill me. And this is the same. Like you can understand the the law of being able to sit in yeah. front of this screen and just see anything you want. And I kind of wish the show did it more. Um, but when it did do it, it was very effective. 
Like the, the caveman scene as well was really cool, except for that annoying ass fucking chanting in the back that made me want to press <laughs> mute on the TV. But otherwise, it was like beautiful to look at. So let's talk about Forrest for a second there. We haven't even talked about Lily properly, I don't think, but we'll talk about Forrest for a second just because we're sort of there. The whole onus of making devs was to, mm. as, as they put it, resurrect Amaya. And ultimately, that uh, adds up to the idea of creating this. If you can recreate the universe in its entirety, calculate it to the point where you can see the past and see the future, then exist within it, you just have created the universe again. He's mm. able to create a universe that includes his daughter in it again. That's his entire motivation. He's not... He's bad. He's allowed bad things to happen in the name of this. But it's not like he's trying to take mm. over the world. It's not like he's trying to make billions of dollars. He just wants to be reunited with his family. How do you feel about that as like a motivation for that character? Do you feel for that character of Forrest and what he was trying to achieve? I mean, sure, a dead kid's always a great motivator. And I constantly say this. I have a bumper sticker to prove it. Um, but, yeah, no, Thanks I think for that... more bidding me. <laughs> that... Plus, you know, obviously not only being able to see her again and exist with her again, but also, you know, this this singular vision of determinism completely allowing him to forgive himself simply because, well, we're on these train tracks or whatever. Like, you, never you know, it was, it, was always, it was always going to happen. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter that I was on the phone. It doesn't matter that I wouldn't let my wife concentrate on what she was doing. It's not really my fault. Um, so I do think that's like a pretty solid motivator. Is it a particularly interesting one? Not really. Like, but I, it's an easy shorthand for a motivation that isn't just twirling your mustache in evilness. I get uh, the motivation to create the dev system. I don't get the motivation to create a giant creepy ass statue of his daughter in the middle I know. of the park. Or just like, to there have is her no face plastered way all over the place. It's like everywhere you, over the facility. That statue is nightmare fuel if I've ever <laughs> seen it. And essentially you have a whole people, a whole bunch of people hanging out under your daughter's skirt. Uh, yeah, and their lunch eating break. lunch like, on their break. Really yeah. weird. Yeah, look, if I was going in for like an interview or even like orientation at a new workplace and I was like, oh, that's a really interesting statue. Who is that? They're like, oh, that's the boss's dead kid. I was like, cool. Um, happily going back on unemployment because that's fucked. What do you mean? <laughs> um, in this random forest. Uh, I mean, there were a few set pieces that – logistically just didn't make any sense but i was like that looks cool so i'll let it go that's fine <laughs> like the cool halo trees i love fucking them awesome. such yeah. a cool cool visual that and just like the idea of the vacuum seal gold cube floating in this all of that was very very cool idea i loved all of that mm. and you knew as soon as they mentioned the vacuum seal and like what happens if something goes wrong it's like oh man can't wait for whatever it is that goes wrong to go wrong that'll look mm. good um, I I did li like the uh, the detail when they were sh going through the the facility and he's like you have to clean up after yourself because the cleaners can't go in there because I always <laughs> think about those kind of things like mm -hmm. yeah. who builds these spaces who maintains these spaces like when they're all super super top secret like it would be very hard to upkeep that building in general I thought the show just. <laughs> 
did smart stuff like that. It was it was attentive to the details, and a lot of it had to do, as I mentioned in my review, with what the characters chose to do. Things like restoring Sergey's phone off the cloud to get access yeah. to his phone. Fucking brilliant. Just like really smart stuff. Um, I love that when she takes the phone and the Sudoku app to Jamie, he like is there doing his hacker thing for a while, like analyzing it. But when it comes to like, do you want to see this stuff? It does. It's mm. not an intense moment. He just presses a button and it's done. It's like, of course it would be, because it would just like the program would run once he figures out what it is and it's done. Um, when he they're gonna watch the video, the security footage, and it's like, well, we can't. We don't want to be traced. Here's a laptop I can take the Wi-Fi card out of. Boom, awesome. No one can trace this now. Just like mm-hmm. little stuff like that. The flames, like the the thing is, they're watching the video and he recognizes that the they're identical flames. The they're pattern. obviously CGI. Yeah. Like, I loved all of that. And then when things got really crazy, once Lily had driven herself and um, Kenton off the road, there'd been talk about going to the cops before that, but they thought they had it under control. And when they realized they were way over their head, they're like, we've got to fucking call the cops. <laughs> I was like, yeah. good. That's the smart thing to do now. Up until then, you were in control, but you're not anymore. Mm-hmm. Don't pretend you can handle this by yourself. Fucking call the cops. And it backfired. Yeah, it's nothing worse than in a story when you're constantly told that these are like the smartest people in their field or whatever it is. Exactly. And then just for the point of plot, continuously making dumb decisions. It's mm. the most frustrating thing to watch and totally pulls you out of the story. So, yeah, no, I, I'm thankful that they didn't do that. Did you guys like the concept of the simulation that they're living in in the end and that they can have a happy ending? Like No, because I like it feels like, you know, the quote unquote bad guy, Forrest, gets exactly what he wants and poor Lily, who's our hero, is stuck in this purgatory for <laughs> forever. And yes, she gets to be with Jamie, but you know, she she's aware of that it's it's a simulation, even though it's it might as well be its own reality. I I mean, I don't know because you know, knowledge in this world isn't great. I mean, because Forrest says to Lily at one point when she finds out that there is no free will, and he's like, you know, I didn't take anything away from you. I just told you that there is no free will like knowledge is consistently like making her life fucking worse and now she lives in this world where she knows how the world has come to exist and why it exists like that sounds like a fucking nightmare um so it wasn't a satisfying ending for me no i think there's two questions there did i find the idea of that compelling and i think like the idea of like simulations in the matrix i've just always found sort of compelling but specifically because Mm. they talk about how and this is something forrest talks about in detail is once you can it is not a uh it's not what am i trying to say here it's not a video or a film of reality it is reality being played out if it whether it's happening machine or it's happening in the universe if it's happening Mm. it's happening right if Amaya exists in there. Amaya is alive because it's exactly the same thing just in that box instead of outside the box, right? What's the difference mm-hmm. ultimately? That idea is very compelling to me. That once you get down to understanding how everything works, then that is real too. And then ultimately the idea there is that then they've created a multiverse or the multiverse obviously exists. And this is where I, I agree with you. Like the ending is not satisfying if you love a straight, you know, the way that we normally see narratives played out from a beginning middle end where we see an arc for our characters and they go from a place of rest have um 
have things happen to them in the middle and they end in a different place, right? In this, all that happens is Lily goes back to where she was before, but now she knows that she has free will, mm. right? It's like, it's the same reality she had beforehand. And the, the, the reality of it is like intellectually, that means that every variation of how you want this to play out has and will play out. You want a version where Forrest is miserable and Lily's happy? That exists. You don't want that? That doesn't exist either. But that's not compelling to you or I because we get attached to one person and we want that one person to exist as they are. But that's that's the that's the thing about this show. It like goes from being a thriller to being a intellectual meditation or an intellectual like thesis and it stops being compelling as a narrative, I think. And that's like both a pro and a con for me. I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you take away the consequence of yes. the story, then like, is that really that engaging as a viewer? Mm. Um, if that's what you're looking for, and I don't know, I I don't know if I was completely satisfied with that ending as well. I mean, it's nice that you know to see her with Jamie again, um, and the thought you know that in some universe she gets to be with him again, because um, I felt for me that was the heart of of what. Uh, drew, drew me to her story was that kind of romance that they were developing but um yeah it's it, it's definitely not a traditional thing that we're used to a story ending i think the jamie lily stuff is crucial though and uh, crucial to us having any attachment to the story without mm. that we wouldn't and ultimately like that's the final image we see is her going to jamie and leaving sergey mm-hmm. and so i guess what the thesis of the show on that level is that Lily made a choice to be with Jamie instead of go back to Sergey. That's that's a choice, a conscious choice she made. And is that something we're meant to celebrate? Is that our happy ending? Is that as good as it gets? For Not women, good enough, yeah, obviously. Choose the right boyfriend. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, what would you have liked? How how would you have liked it to? What would you have liked to have seen? You want to see Forest Gears come up, and it's obviously. Yeah. That is what I would like to see. Um, You know, some sort of, I guess, lesson learned. Um, I think what I was saying earlier, what I was saying earlier, it should have been she threw away the gun, walked out of Dev's, and Mm -hmm. then he has to deal with the fact that all these people have died and all this suffering has happened to prove something that he was proven wrong. Like... And I think it would also make a big comment about, you know, the Mark Zuckerbergs of this world and all these tech giants right now that are controlling so much about how much we, about how much of how we live and how much of how the world is working right now with zero consequences. Um, I think it would have been a cathartic thing to see is like, yes, you have all these resources and millions of dollars and you're breaking all these new grounds doesn't mean you have all the answers and it doesn't give you the right to determine how everyone in the world should be living right now. He would also it also then- left me with m- like more questions, but not like interesting questions. So, yeah, we see at the end the government lady being like, oh, like how – like." Oh, sorry. Um, Katie's like, we need to keep it on. Uh, can you provide the power? That'd be sick. Makes me go, well, how long is that going to be going for? Does it? Does the simulation exist? Like all time exists at once? Like is time relative if, inside? Once, 
the devs once machine, they yeah. yeah once they die does it start again um yeah just made me ask a bunch of questions that i didn't really care about but yeah i don't i don't know it left me a bit cold i guess and it's, slightly annoyed. I mean, I was fine at the time, but the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, eh, I don't love it. If the multiverse is proven, right, and mm. Forrest is deterministic, wanting the universe to be deterministic is proven to not be true, then mm-hmm. you'd hope he'd come to some sort of reckoning with like, oh my God, I did make that. No, yes, I did make that choice. I made a bad choice. I am responsible for, or partly responsible at least to some degree, He's going to have to come mm-hmm. to terms with what happened to his daughter and his family at that point, right? And instead, he just goes, oh, I guess the multiverse is true, and then goes and lives in that universe instead. And it doesn't feel like he suffers for that. It doesn't feel like he loses. And that's, I think, what you're saying there. It's like, rather than him coming to terms with him being wrong, he just switches to, well, I'll make this work for me instead, and then does. And well, I guess like if we're talking about tech giants and stuff... And very, very wealthy people in our society. I mean, that is how it works. Like, they are fully committed to one thing and it can... I rewatched the Fire Festival, like, (laughs) doco last night. And, like, you know, just fully commit to one thing and everyone's on board and, like, yeah, let's do it. And then you're like, oh, no, heaps of people are dead and I've served them cold sandwiches. Um, And then you just kind of, you know, fossy foot over to the left and do something else. Like, that is kind of how it works and you get to live inside your own creation or in terms of like Mark Zuckerberg, like he can destroy democracy and then he'll just live in his mansion for the rest of his life. Like, so it, it is true to reality sure. in that sense. But as a narrative, as someone who is poor, it makes me go, why I order? <laughs> like it makes me angry. <laughs> um, just so we don't spiral into our own asses for eternity here. I did just <laughs> want to put one other thing forward though, just an idea. Once mm. Lily has thrown the gun away, then um, Stuart puts in the code and then allows the thing to fall, which didn't happen in the version that they saw. It was all because of Lily shooting the gun. Mm-hmm. And Katie asks why, and he says he realised he had to because he couldn't allow the devs machine to exist, basically. And he says, don't blame me, Katie. It was predetermined. Now... What do you think that is saying? Because at that point, we've fuck decided you. that that's what it's saying. Any people it's can make choices. You. He is okay. That that's just a fuck you at that point. Yeah, I because think there so. is this idea that when it comes to the universe and things having to go a certain way, that the universe can have a way of self-correcting. Right. Mm. That when someone tries to deviate off the tram tracks, other functions set in, defense mechanisms set in to sort of make sure things happen the way they're meant to. Mm. And that rather than being um, him making a choice and having a fuck you, Mm. the reality is that the universe is deterministic so much that the tram checks do exist. And once they tried to... I don't um, think Stuart believes that though. I think like that could be a theory as a viewer being like, well, actually there was the universe doing that. But I don't think that moment of dialogue comes from Stuart being like, it's the universe correcting itself when I know that. Um, No. Sure. It was a pretty much of a dick move, though, because what did what did Lily ever do to him? Yeah, he just, absolutely. You could have just waited until Forrest got to the other side he and then didn't punched him in the face. Destroy and... it. He didn't destroy it at it's all. True. Like it still existed. Katie was still in there. Hmm. Um, he just killed two people. He just killed two people. Yeah. He yeah. He just crashed the bus 
that they drove to work. That's all he did. It was like, well, I've destroyed Google. But no, you haven't. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Who has side notes? Uh, I've just got a question for you, Brad. Yes. Um, now, as a chiropractor... Oh. How did you feel when you saw Kenton break Anton's neck? Was it cathartic or horrifying? What were your thoughts? Horrifying. Like, I was <laughs> okay. like, I thought I was going to be sick. Like, seriously. Yeah. I So, watching Black Sails, sm- minor spoilers for Black Sails, I won't be specific here. There's a scene where someone breaks another character's neck at the end of season one, right? And I watched that scene and someone who does the bodies every day and stands on bodies, I was like, that... That wouldn't have done anything. That did nothing. Mm. It was not convincing mm. at all. That would have even it's just a nice adjustment. Yeah. It was it wasn't an adjustment, but it wasn't anything. <laughs> You're right. Just what he did there would mm. not have. No, there was no strength there to do what he was doing. Right. Watching that, Kent, the 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 whatever the guy's name was against the tire, the wheel of the car, and then, and then that snap. Fucking hell. I told a colleague of mine the next day about that. I was like, you know how in movies I just never get this right. This fucking made me sick. I, mm. I, it was the most convincing I've ever seen a neck snap ever yeah. in film or television. Can I say, but. like, someone who gets really bad tension headaches mm. and constantly needs an adjustment, <laughs> I thought it looked really good. <laughs> I was like, I need someone to do that. <laughs> this is why I'm the chiropractor and you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Garland yep. kind of strikes me as a director that would have probably gone... I need to get a neck snapping expert in to tell me how to snap this neck properly and that it shows on the screen. But generally... Imagine the, being 100%. on set that day. The, Jeez. Generally, the violence in the show is very impactful and I think also because it's not a constant thing. So when it does happen, it's just like really pulls you out and you're like, oh, my God. Unlike something like Westworld where like every second minute someone's getting decapitated or cut open, and you just kind mm. of get numb to it. They also just come back to life in that show. No one fucking stays dead ever. Yeah. that's. I, I really hate that there's no consequence in that show. Um, okay, I got some quick side notes. Uh, just some little, little interesting nods and tidbits. I love just the intro to Forrest is Nick Offerman eating like spinach or like kale straight out of that box. I was like, mm-hmm. this is not Ron Swanson we're getting in this show. Okay, that's good to know. No. <laughs> if you enjoyed... Um, if you enjoyed the ideas around devs, there's an episode of Futurama that's about uh, like two separate universes in boxes. That's just fucking amazing. The professor creates a box. I'll try and find out what it is and put it in the sh- in the side notes. It's really, really interesting that like the idea of the multiverse and if universes can exist in one box. Oh, it's brilliant and it's exactly what devs is going for. Um, the car crash was cool. I really liked the way that played out. I, in that moment, I was thinking as well, like I, I think the only thing you could do here is try and crash the car on purpose and she did. Very mm. cool. The neck snapping I wanted to bring up as well. I thought the devs, like as much as the devs machine was very sophisticated, I was really, I just want to pay homage to whoever programmed it to be so cinematic and how it projected like its things onto the mm. screen. It really had a great cinematic mm-hmm. instinct, I thought. That was really wonderful. What did you guys think of the scene where they projected one second into the future and like all the people were watching themselves in a mirror that was one second ahead of them? Because I thought that was kind of silly. I thought that was like, <laughs> this is where this starts to fall apart in reality. That was happening and your person said, wubba lubba lub. You wouldn't say wubba lubba lub next. You'd say anything else. Yeah, I think they were trying to prove to the fact that, you know, if 
if your brain thinks that that that's what has to happen, then you will do it. Which then I guess the show then backtracks on later. But I didn't mind it to be honest with you. I was like, because I I totally believed at that point if because the if that thing existed really before your eyes in maybe in theory like oh well I would do I would do this but when actually faced with it your mm-hmm. natural reactions take over and that is just simply something that is organically happening in the room so I thought it was both horrifying horrifying and funny and I, I quite liked it actually if you like that concept watch the David Tennant Doctor Who episode called Midnight plays on that idea very 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 well uh finally Never heard the mo- of that show doctor who yeah just a little little show hasn't been going very yeah. long independent um, number yeah yeah uh just the most relatable moment for me was when lily and jamie decided to save the world they need to stay home i know exactly how that feels <laughs> paul mm-hmm. uh do you have any side notes no side notes but i thought we could bring back uh, a segment uh, that we always do on my show, which is Hot or Not, where we rank every character by how hot we think they are. Are you guys up for that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. let's do it. I am an expert in the field. Let's do it. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be some controversial choices here, but um, <laughs> let's start with uh, Sonoya Mizuno as M- Lily Chan. Hot or hot. not? Hot. Definitely hot. Love, mm. love, love it when someone looks comfortable in their underwear in their own apartment and stuff like that. I always think it's yeah. very attractive. Not the hottest role <laughs> she's ever had, creep? though. Not. I just want them to be comfortable. That's Troy Life. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, no, uh, not the hottest she's ever been, though. By far, I will never get over her role in Maniac. Uh, oh, Dr. Hubbard, Hubbard. oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Those glasses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> um, yeah, I, all right, we're all getting excited. Move on. <laughs> yeah, hot for me as well. Just put that on record. <laughs> uh, so let's keep the gush fest going. Jin Ha as Jamie. I'm guessing we all found him extremely hot. attractive. Yeah. Oh attractive. my god, beautiful! Yes, beautiful. Yeah, he's having mm-hmm. a bit of a moment as well. Like uh, I don't know. Have you guys watched the Anna Kendrick show, Love Life? I have. Yeah, yes. he was. He was. He was a cutie in that. Very cute in that Real as well. Cutie. So I, I feel like he didn't have many roles before this, and I, he's blowing up now, and you can see why. Mm. Is it also worth mentioning two Asian or Asian heritage leads, like without mm. any real consequence to the plot or anything like that? Just that's cool. Just more mm. Asian representation yeah. on screen. Uh, okay, so Kaylee Spaney as Lyndon. I think the actress is hot. I find the character quite annoying, so not hot. I'm not going to mm. say hot. Um, very young and like... Yeah. Well, like she's not that young, but I guess turning she her She looks in, like a young boy. Turning her yeah. into a boy makes her look young, much yes. younger yeah. than she actually is. So, yeah, I'm going to give her in this role a not. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Kaylee. Solid, <laughs> solid answer when you <laughs> phrase it like that. Um, so... Alison Pill as Katie, or as I like to call her, Forehead. <laughs> um, not, no. I think I, she's hot. No. I think she's hot. No, I don't. And I think it's the character more than anything because I think mm. Alison Pill is really, I'm really attracted to her in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Mm-hmm. Um, as Stacy, I think is the name of the character. I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, 
maybe the redhead thing helps. That's definitely my style as well. But the <laughs> no, I don't think Katie is. Katie's so severe. She's got nothing. Yeah, no, Broad. That's what's really her. hot. No. <laughs> she's gonna yell at you. <laughs> You're gonna get in trouble. No, she's she's not gonna, gonna yell, yell at you. you. She's not gonna yell at you. She's just gonna say things in a really monotone way at you. Slightly. Yeah, and way. she's gonna make you feel bad about yourself, which is the hottest thing ever. <laughs> No, Someone grew I, up I say, with self-esteem. I say no to forehead. Don't relate. I'm, I'm giving her a no. Like she was just <laughs> such an off-putting character to me. Loved <laughs> her. Loved her. Uh, okay, so Nick Offerman as Forrest. Nick Offerman is an attractive man. Forrest was deliberately made to be unattractive. And I'm yeah, sure it's a look that some people are going to be into, but that slovenly mm-hmm. let himself go tech thing is not yeah. it for me. No. Nick yeah. Offerman as a man, yes, very hot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ron Swanson, very hot. This guy, no, 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 no. No, thank you. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think that will do us for now. I'm Okay. I, I'm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> did it, that's did a, it. that's <laughs> enough <laughs> ranking people by their appearance. Let's move on. Least favourite <laughs> and favourite episode. Paul, what was your least favourite episode? Uh, my least favorite episode was episode five, um, just purely because it focused a lot on Katie, and that was the character mm. that I connected the least with. I just that whole cold, distant, mega bitch thing. Um, she, yeah, it it wasn't enough to engage me, and there was too much of her in that episode. But I have to say, it was very hard picking a least and and favorite episode because. It really does feel like one big narrative. There wasn't really much like episode, like you couldn't pull one episode of this show and just watch it by itself. It just isn't one of those shows that works that way. Um, so yeah, Damas. Mine was the same one, episode five. Um, just cause, yeah, it was the backstory episode, and we're getting towards the end of the season. So I just kind of I was getting impatient. I just wanted to get there already. That's funny. Episode five was almost my favorite episode because I was really enjoying uh, the backstory, like understanding the motivations of Forrest. Um, mm. I didn't mind the Katie stuff, though. I understand there was a lot of Katie in that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Even the stuff going back towards Lily and Sergey and stuff like that. In that episode, I don't know. I was kind of, I was kind of into it. And then it has that opening moment with, I think that's is that the episode that starts with. Um, Jamie and Kenton in the bath and stuff like that and ends with him. Yeah, it is. And ends with him taking um, Lily out of the hospital at the end. It's like all, some of my favourite mm. part. Like very, yeah, rewarding moments, I thought. But my least favourite was episode six, which is the episode where they all sit down. It's Katie and uh, Lily and it's Forrest and Jamie sitting down in pairs and talking for 49 minutes about determinism until they finally got to the point, which was that... Lily was somehow involved in um, them not being able to see past that fixed point. That was the intriguing part. It took forever to get there. Mm-hmm. And I personally didn't need more explanations about determinism at that point. Uh, what about your favorite episode, Paul? I said episode three because I loved that opening where you see the Joan of Arc stuff and Jesus stuff. Um, it had Lily's freak out on the ledge, which I thought was really cool. Mm. had the reveal of um, like her working out Sergei's death. Um, so, yeah, it, it was overall pretty solid ep. Damask? Controversially, Brod, my favourite episode is episode six. 
Everyone's hanging out at Forest and the show talks to me like I'm an idiot, which is what I needed. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I really, I was like, thank God someone has sat me down and is talking to me about what's happening. Um, so, yeah, that's mine. Fair enough. Uh, my favorite episode was also episode three, Paul. I think... It, yeah, that stuff at the start, very intriguing, going way, way, way back in history and sort of like that idea of being able to see the past like that is amazing. But it was also where I was having the most fun. I love the reveal that Lily was pretending. And while it was something mm-hmm. I was sort of thinking might have been happening, it was discussion Liam and I were talk- having as, the sh- as it was happening, they don't tell you beforehand... Um, and the way it's revealed later, I, I don't know. I just thought it was it was really, really satisfying. And it made me, again, feel excited for these characters. It was easy to root for Lily at this point. She's obviously intelligent. She's got a plan. She's executing on it. She did a great job of it. That was fantastic. And then the end bit where they realized that the security footage was faked and how they realized that was so satisfying as well. But yeah, loved, loved that. The, I was having the most fun with the show at that point. So, normally we'd ask predictions, hopes, concerns, but as far as I'm aware, this is going to be a mini-series, a limited series. There's not going to be a season two. Question one mm-hmm. for you. Could there be a season two of Devs, do you think? I don't think there could be, but Alex Garland has said he wants to do another show with the exact same cast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, what's your predictions for that? What do you want to see from that? I'm trying to think of crazy sci-fi concepts uh, that they would explore. We've done AI, we've done like multiverse and seeing the future and stuff like that. What other sort of crazy tech do we get in these sorts of movies? Body and swap. Oh, yeah. Do body <laughs> swap. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That'd be amazing if we did that. Uh, I don't know. Do you mm. have any ideas, Paul? Um, how about uh, a universe where Jamie's shirt keeps disappearing mysteriously and every time he turns it up, puts his a shirt on, it just disappears, and then they have to work out why that's happening. Sounds incredible. What about that's happening to everyone in the world? <laughs> just they wake up and shirts have gone. What do you do? How do you live? Yeah. Um, look, I'm willing to explore that story next season. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um, I think you could have a season two even based in the existing world if you wanted to. Um, we don't know what the government... So now the government knows about what devs is, theoretically they may start to try and use devs. And so what happens when a bigger force has this sort of predictive power or has access to a universe like the one they have? What would they do with that? There's something there. You could see what you know how Lily and Forrest are living inside this multiverse system thing they're in. Should they make a season two? No. Just go watch Des- uh, Go watch Ex Machina is my advice to everybody. Mm-hmm. Would you want a season two? Uh, no. I mean, if Alex Garland made it, I trust him that he had mm-hmm. a good, I- good enough idea to make it. So mm. I would give it a go, but it's nothing I'm clamoring for. I guess I like the idea of the anthology series. Yeah, I don't need the like the next step of this story. But yeah, an anthology series sounds cool. Yeah, I just can't, it won't have the same shit. title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, please don't Ryan Murphy this shit. <laughs> please don't. We've had enough. Ryan Murphy's just been announced to be showrunner for season two of Devs, guys. Amazing. <laughs> well, you know that no one will be wearing a shirt then. <laughs> That's true. 
You got your wish. Well, Careful of the men what you will, wish anyway. for, Paul. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> Thank you very much, listener, for checking out this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hyler Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymoo, M A S K Y M O. And Paul? Uh, you can find the Swapcast on everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, follow us on Insta. We uh, mostly just post shirtless pictures of the guys in the films. So um, very much worth following. Also, review us on iTunes. If we get 100 reviews on iTunes, we are going to review Face Off, which is our, Face most, our most requested movie to review. So get on that. There's a poll I saw on Twitter recently asking what the worst Nicolas Cage film of the 90s was or whenever it was. And Face Off lost that as being the worst one. What? Which is insane. How is that yeah. even Wait, possible? So it- Con Air beat it. What? Ridiculous. Wait, Rid- I'm confused. I'm confused yes. by the phrasing. So Con was Air determined was to be, decided to be, to be the worst. Better. No, no. No. The worst one was decided to be Face Off. Con Air was decided to be yep. better than that. But between it and The Rock, The Rock is great. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic film. Face well, off. What, is do, definitely what do they mean by chronic. best and worst? The what best and mean? worst. <laughs> we don't have. We, you can't get more specific than that. It's just obvious. I need you to quant because the best to me is face off <laughs> because yeah, sure. it's so fucked and I love <laughs> a fucked movie. Um, oh. Then Con Air because also fucked <laughs> and that hair, Mwah, gorgeous. <laughs> and then we have The Rock because like. I don't know, those like weird gas balls that melt off your face or something. I don't even remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, mm, I don't agree with those findings. Mm. It wasn't highly scientific, Damask. It was a Twitter poll and I just wanted to be outraged, okay? Um, <laughs> well, for- as you know, I'm a very scientific person. <laughs> well, that's a, what, what's coming up on the Swapcast podcast? Okay, so the next film, that's a very good question. Just Because <laughs> we've, we've recorded you don't know. Yeah, yeah, because you're way ahead. That's that's the difference. You're way more professional than we are. Yeah, we recorded these episodes a long time ago. Uh, so, oh yeah, the next movie we're doing is a 1980s uh, Carl Reiner comedy starring Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin called All of Me, where Li- yeah. Lily Tomlin's soul goes inside of um, Steve Martin, but he's still in there as well. So they're like constantly fighting for control over the body. It is, it's a really fun movie and a really fun episode as well. So I, so I can't believe I haven't heard of this before. It it should be a classic. It, it should be a film everyone knows. And Lily Tomlin's character should be a gay icon. And I don't understand why she, Mm. why it is. All right. Let's make it happen, Paul. Let's Mm. make it happen. Steve. I can imagine that being great for Steve Martin. Is that is it like they're fighting for control of the body? So it's like a lot of physical comedy in that. Y- as yes, well? yes. Yeah, that's right up his alley, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, next episode, we still haven't decided what we're doing. Next episode, Paul. What should we review next episode of Hunting Seasons? Well, I know you guys loved the whole um, simulation afterlife at the end of Devs. So, how would you like to see an entire show based on that concept? <laughs> Go on. There's a um, Matrix I feel like show? we have to say yes, but sure. Okay. Because uh, yep, yep. uh, 
the Amazon original series Upload, which came out this year, is actually my second favorite show of the year after The Great, um, which is mm. it, it is that. It's a show about a digital afterlife, but controlled by a corporation. So if you want to uh, have a drink, you have to pay for it with money paid for that for people outside the simulation. So then you've basically got people who are controlling your life. And uh, oh. it's really, it's very smart show. It's hilarious. It's um, got the romance that I've been most invested in in a long time in a TV show. So um, I think mm. that would be a good one to do. You know how last week you sold Quibi to me and you're the first person to do it? $1.5 billion worth of advertising <laughs> didn't sell it to me. Yeah. You talking about like having people outside of this world have to pay for your drinks and control your life. What is that in the trailer? I don't remember that. I remember in the trailer just thinking it was a the good place knockoff and being completely turned off by it. Yeah. Um it's so You've much more than this. that. So much more than okay. that. So Alright, I guess we'll do upload season one. We'll be back next week for that. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you again, Paul, for being on the show. Really love no having worries. you on. Appreciate Anytime. that. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.